Can you turn this up? Can you make this loud? Hey, hey, welcome to the podcast where we take a quick swig of medicine from the limitless depths of pop fiction, literary fiction, visual art, music, movies, poetry, any artistic creation, and we feel all the better for it. My name is Nate Hammond. You are listening to Tonic Pop. All right, how about that COVID, huh? Some are sitting around waiting for the world to collapse. Others existing with excitement in their belly or trepidation, maybe both. Excipidation for what is on the other side and others are just kicking back and waiting for normality to kick back in or so they think. What is normal anyway? Are normality standards culturally relevant? Who decides what is normal and what is abnormal? Are we preparing for a new normal? Are we already there? I stopped in at my um, local IGA, shout out Eagleby, to get some butter. Essential supplies, of course. It was for pancakes, essential breakfast and or supper. Everyone was keeping a fair distance from each other. There was hand sanitizer at the entrance. X marks the distance stickers on the ground. But it was only in a moment of reflection that I contrast against a few months ago when people were shoulder to shoulder hustling and bustling. And even in a moment of retrospection, nothing felt abnormal. Still, without the value of being a part of the transition, I mean, if let's say we time jumped from December 2019 to mid-ISO, that would throw our heads into a spin, I'm sure. Anyway, musings about new normal aside, the virus itself got me thinking about what my favorite virus films were. Of course, in the spirit of this podcast objective, I'll share a brief lesson I drew from a moment within one of them. Um, Some of my favorite virus films include Train to Busan, freaking excellent, intelligent zombie flick from South Korea. Apparently, one in five South Koreans have seen it. It deserves its own podcast episode, but not today. I did a zombie flick last time. Blindness. It's a 2008 film. Absolutely bombed tanked at the box office it made about five million less than its budget and critics either hated it or were indifferent i liked it blame the acting mark ruffalo can do no wrong my bro and julianne moore give me some more yes its brilliance was intermittent but the scattered nuggets of gold it made it worth the watch for me uh dawn of the planet of the apes cgi excellent starring the king of post-human mocap acting andy circus give this man an oscar already uh, what else? 28 Days Later, um, directed by Danny Boyle. Is a sequel 28 Weeks Later better? Fairly balanced in my view, but both top shelf films. Let you decide, you tell me. The film I've chosen to ramble on about, 12 Monkeys. Directed by Terry Gilliam, written by David Webb Peoples, who co-wrote Blade Runner and wrote Unforgiven. He was joined on this writing project by his wife, Janet Peoples. What a team, what great peoples. Uh, It came out in 95. It took about almost three years for it to come out on disc. Kids, that's what we used to have to wait for. You know, you used to have to wait quite a long time. I think E.T. took like eight years to come out on VHS. Um, Nowadays, of course, it comes out within a month or so. From a budget of 29.5 million, it grossed 168 million. Well done, Terry. This time travel film is intense and intriguing and was one that showcased, in my opinion, some of Bruce Willis's final work acting wise. Both, um, well, I don't know what else to consider his final work besides acting. I don't really know him that well. Both Jeff Bridges and then Nick Nolte were originally slated for this part. But due to unavailability, Bruce was locked in. Any one of them, I think, could have pulled this off. Uh, But Bruce, he sinked into the role beautifully. 
As mentioned, the sci-fi was directed by Terry Gilliam, who by virtue of being a member of Monty Python receives legend status, in my mind, no matter what. His radical spin at directing solidifies it. Admittedly, he's had a few misses, but I think the balance of his crazily brilliant films are in his favor. Time Bandits, Brazil, Fisher King. Bruce Willis plays James Cole, a prisoner of the state in the year 2035. He makes a parole earning deal to travel back in time and thwart a devastating plague that has wiped out a large percentage of the Earth's population. At least that's what he believes he's doing initially. Makes you wonder, is there a James Cole wandering around Earth right now that has been sent from the future? Hmm? Are you listening? If you've seen it, I need to say no more. If you haven't, I need to say no more. Plot-wise, it is. Brad Pitt shakes off his pretty boy image. Um, and, okay, he's had a few movies since then where he has not uh, lent into his his good looks, his notable good looks. Um, but this was probably the first one that I can think of where he really just threw that threw that garb off and he boldly grabbed his role as a paranoid rambling twitchy skin bag of fleas on speed by the proverbial horns he does it in a way that you want to pick through his monologues and make sense of them because you get the feeling that there is sense to be found productive anymore at least to make things anymore it's all automated what are we for then we're consumers Ah, okay okay buy a lot of stuff you're a good citizen but if you don't buy a lot of stuff, if you don't, what are you then, I ask you? What? Mentally ill. Back, Jim, back. If you don't buy things, toilet paper, new cars, computerized blenders, electrically operated sexual devices, serial systems with brain-implanted headphones, screwdrivers, miniature-built-in radar devices, voice-activated computers. Take it easy, Jeffrey. Be calm. Right. That's right. You're a very attractive woman. Ah. With that said, um, in, an, uh, in an interview with the New York Times magazine, he confessed his own feelings on the role. He said, quote, I nailed the first half of 12 Monkeys. I got the second half all wrong, end quote. Um, have you seen it? What are your thoughts on Brad's turn? Get a, the Tonic Pop Podcast Facebook page to leave a comment. 12 Monkeys also stars the ageless and underrated Madeline Stowe playing Dr. Catherine Rayleigh. And Christopher Plummer, he also pops up. Deal with the gloom of foreordained disaster. That is the main theme. Suck it up. Are you going to save us, Mr. Cole? The doctor asks. How can I save you? Says James Cole. This already happened. I can't save you. Nobody can. I apologize for my acting. That thought makes a moment from the film that I want to draw our lesson from oddly special. It's the scene where Cole hears Fat Domino's classic Blueberry Hill come over the car stereo. The joy of music prompts him to stick his head out of the window of the traveling vehicle like an excitable canine and proclaim, uh, I love the music of the 20th century. <laughs> I love the hair. Oh, love to breathe this air. This bewilders the good doctor who is driving, someone who is, like many of us, desensitized to the small pleasures that are far from abnormal to our existence. This is such a cool teaching moment, a lesson that prompts us to consider pausing every so often and allowing ourselves to relish fleeting pleasures, moments of joy. 
We watched Cole transition from an acutely focused need to fulfill his mission, rampaging through the time he's been allotted, to finding time to enjoy the world's final moments. Stoic philosopher Seneca wrote in his moral letters, quote, It's ruinous for the soul to be anxious about the future and miserable in advance of misery, engulfed by anxiety that the things it desires might remain its own until the very end, for such a soul will never be at rest. By longing for things to come, it will lose the ability to enjoy present things. End quote. How often do we let the good moments pass without allowing a brief pause to celebrate? Now, I don't mean streamers and a cake every time joy blows a kiss, but taking a moment to enjoy life's gems with a nod and a tip of the hat, a moment of honor, lauding, observation, a touch of veneration, and other synonyms that are looked up in the online thesaurus. Maybe your child welcomes you home. Stop and soak that in. That may not be something that they will always do. Maybe you get a thank you from a colleague. Maybe the sky gives you a rainbow. Maybe someone lets you in at a busy intersection. Little moments. They will likely give you a little boost to your soul without having to think about it. Why not hold on to it for a touch longer than normal? Why not allow these multiple moments to create a greater collective experience by savoring each and every one, elongating each and every moment? Maybe they will overlap and and feed into each other. If not, at least they will give you moments between sadness or tough times so that you are not constantly in a state of negativity. Imagine you sit down to the most expensive meal that you have ever had before you. Let's say it's in a Wolfgang Puck restaurant and you have a plate of scallops before you. I love seafood, so that's where I'm going, but choose your own adventure. Throw that scallop down your gullet if you like. Let it barely touch your taste buds. What was the point of that? You just wanted sustenance? Okay, you may as well have saved a lot of money and just scoffed down a filet of fish. Savor the moments. Feel, enjoy, and extend your positive in the now experiences. Here are four things that we can do to enable positive moments to have a greater effect. One, pay attention when something positive, no matter how big or small, comes your way. Two, practice gratitude. Be grateful for whatever caused the positive emotion. Three, capitalize on the moment. Extend the moment by putting your joy on display, speaking about it, sharing it, just as Cole did with his head out of the window. Four, avoid the trap of becoming preoccupied with planning for grand positive events while multiple positive moments pass you by. Five, practice being more alert to moments. Don't just look up, look around. When I used to work as a lifeguard, we were taught to be constantly scanning our area of purview. To focus on any one spot, could cause you to not only zone out, but to miss out on concerns in the periphery. Here's the thing. You have little to no control over many of the impromptu moments that can put a smile in your file, a ding to your wing, a flame to your brain. So when they come, sorry about that, when they come, be prepared to grab them. If you're not getting enough of these, create your own. Pat your cat, not a euphemism. Watch the sunset, have a bubble bath, be playful, have a little dance when the safety dance comes on over the radio. If it ever does anymore, does it? I don't know. Collect these experiences, whether unexpected or planned, and don't hold off until that island vacation to refill your happiness bottle. With all that said, we really don't need to analyze every positive moment. We just need to accept its embrace and hug it back. I'll leave you with a quote from the great Emily Dickinson. Find ecstasy in life. The mere sense of living is joy enough. Thank you for listening today. My name is Nate Hammond. This has been Tonic Pop. Catch you next time.
complete. And the fact that 